Sophia heard the sound first, the ghostly echo of female voices raised in song. Soprano, alto and contralto effortlessly harmonising. A clear, pure stream that drifted from the open windows and across the slate rooftops, along the old red brick walls worn smooth by centuries of wind and rain, over the manicured playing fields and towards the wide, tree-lined path where she stood. Gooseflesh rose on her arms as the wind gusted around the corner of the building, bringing the sound closer, louder. As she glanced to her left, she saw shadows, blurred shapes against square-paned windows. In the darkening gloom, the effect was ethereal, otherworldly, an angelic choir. The words, and give you peace, swirled around her, hanging in the air. She stopped, pushed her glasses up on the bridge of her nose and gazed up at the edifice before her. It was everything she had ever imagined an English public school to be, wearing the weight of its history in the honeyed stone, thick with ivy and wisteria, immaculately kept grass, doubtless tended by a phalanx of gardeners, bordered by neat rows of purple-faced pansies and white alisum, the tall gates, the arched portico, the heavy oak door studded and banded with iron. The entire place reeked of tradition, privilege and money. Among such imposing buildings, the feeling of being a slightly scruffy imposter was as sharp as a slap. The singing faded and she carried on, dragging her suitcase behind her and cursing under her breath as it caught on the gravel. The bus had dropped her off half an hour earlier in the town's wide, gently curving high street and she hadn't needed directions, having made a flying visit to the college for her interview three months ago. She was nearly there, but the gravel was making the final steps of her journey more difficult than they should have been. She suspected that most visitors arrived by car, not, as she was, on foot, the drive crunching pleasingly under expensive tyres. With a final yank of her suitcase, she reached the grand stone portico. She spotted a handle and grasped it, leaning her shoulder against the door as the catch released. The smell of beeswax, sweet lilies, old books and faintly sweaty gym shoes, her father would have called them plimsolls, was overwhelming. As she walked in, the door closed behind her with a thud that reverberated down the vast hallway. She found herself standing in the high-ceilinged entry room. To one side was a rectangular table, polished to a high sheen, and on it sat the lilies she could smell, arranged in a tall cut-glass vase. The blooms were exquisitely formed, petals curling outwards, creamy and unblemished, bright orange pollen balanced on each stamen. Another few days and they would have wilted, begun the journey towards decay, but for now, they were perfection. She looked past the flowers to the end of the hallway where a wide, curving stone staircase with an elaborate balustrade stretched upwards into darkness. You're late. The voice was low and ponderous as it boomed towards her out of the shadows. Thea strained to see where it had come from, and a moment later, a tall, spare,
spare man with slicked-back hair and a face as runnelled as a dry riverbed emerged from the gloom. His old-fashioned frock coat hung on him, as if it had been made for someone larger, but his tie was sharply knotted and high against a clean white collar. Heavy brows shaded his eyes, and his shoulders were hunched as if to ward off imaginary cold. He didn't meet her eye. Sorry, the bus was late leaving the station. She checked her watch, but only by 15 minutes. Of course, you're from the colonies, he said, as if that explained everything. We were expecting you yesterday, Miss Rust. Thea bristled. I thought the students arrived tomorrow. They do, but nevertheless we were expecting you yesterday, he repeated slowly, as if she were dense as well as foreign. She went to apologise again, but he'd already disappeared into the gloom. No sooner had she opened her mouth to call out than he returned, holding a heavy iron circle on which a set of keys was strung. There are three of them, one for the front door, one the back, and the other, well, I expect you'll work it out. That's if you've got anything about you. He held out the keys to her with one hand and rubbed his chin with the other. There was a rasp as flakes of skin drifted onto his lapels and she suppressed a shudder.